0: Welcome to the New Books Network.
1: Welcome to the African American Studies channel at the New Books Network. My name is Brittany Edmonds, and I'm very happy to welcome Professor Jafari S. Allen to the show today. He's here to discuss his newest book, There's a Disco Ball Between Us, A Theory of Black Gay Life. Thank you for being here today.
0: Thank you so much for having me, Brittany. I'm really happy to be here.
1: I wonder if we could start by you just telling us a bit about your book. And I'm especially curious about your subtitle, A Theory of Black Gay Life. So can you tell us you know, what you're going for with this book and especially that kind of ambitious subtitle, A Theory of Black Gay Life?
0: Right, yeah, it is It is ambitious. The, the book has gone through a, a few different subtitles. Um, well, from no subtitle to two different subtitles that I can remember. And uh, we owe this ambition or, you know, grandiose ambition maybe um, to Robert Reed who, uh who suggested after reading uh, a, a, a version of it that what I had written was a theory of Black gay life. And it resonated with me because it was actually my ambition to write a theory Theory. So and it's very important to, um, to note that, you know, I'm joking about the grandiose <laughs> nature of this because a theory is to say that this is one way of thinking through Black gay life uh, systematically and, um, and through one perspective, one, you know, learned perspective, I think, and experienced perspective, but one perspective. And what um, I found after um, writing and after reading what had um, uh, what ended up on the page, was that, uh, far from my first ambition to write sort of sets of case studies of life of black LGBTQIA folks in particular places um, and perhaps times, that what happened was, uh, looked more like um, what um, uh, one of the past, one of the past uh, subtitles was uh, an ethnography of an idea. And so it looked more like thinking through the idea. The idea is black gay. And what we have here is a way to think through Black gay life. And I wanted to de-emphasize the ethnography part for a moment um, to, to broaden this out so that audiences could uh, make their way into this on their own terms and not necessarily on the terms of what people understand as a disciplinary or an academic uh, framework or concept.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, there's so much richness in that answer. And when I, when I called your, your subtitle Ambitious, I meant it in a, in a good way. I actually think your book is, is quite capacious and in preparation for this interview, you know, usually I kind of, my interviews are very structured and I kind of march forward through the book, hitting on all the points across the author's chapters. And as I was preparing for this one, I was like, oh, well, you're going to need a different approach, right? <laughs> um, and so Um, So yeah, my my interest in the subtitle also has to do with some things you just said in response to that first question, like I'm curious about the use of the word theory, and you you kind of sort of parse that as one way of thinking through Black gay life systematically, and I was really interested in that word, um, simply because of all the theoretical work you do do around sort of systematized thinking um, in the monograph itself, and so I have a question about that, but then I'm also very curious about Black gay, you know. Um, that as a formulation Mm -hmm. to capture what's being described in this book. And of course, you know, we're going to dig into your chapters where you're actually sort of interrogating um, that formation. But I wonder if you could say something about, you know, theory in that subtitle and then also Black gay and how both of those things might be important to the different kinds of boundary pushing you're doing in the book. Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. Thank you. Thank you for that question. That's that's a, that's a, a, a really... A, a, a really sensitive uh, a really sensitive question that you, you see uh I think you see what we're here the black gay part is in fact and I think you know I do subtly argue that in the beginning um that what we may have lost in the translation from black gay to black queer or uh, gay to queer or from gay black queer or what What uh, other sorts of um, names people have for how they live and love and think. And so with black gay, I'm trying to specifically uh, talk about and begin in the long 1980s when the term black gay uh, emerges. And importantly, it emerges alongside gay black. And, you know, we get into a bit of the the controversy, Black gay versus gay black, which has more to do with people's feelings as uh, gr- grammar. Um, but wanted to specifically that moment as a time, in, uh, a time in which lots of groups that have uh, begun to uh, differentiate or think about their... Um, think about their specific naming uh, apart from gay. Uh, So for example, in black gay, black gay includes black gay women, um, which would be who also many times call themselves lesbians, but not always, right? Black gay men, trans folks, gender gender non-conforming folks, who at that time may have called themselves transsexual or transvestite or simply gay. Um, And it is important to note at least two things with this, with the the slippage in in the language or the, the movement of the language, that we can look at Black gay as an aspiration of one community in which we understand ourselves, and by ourselves I mean lesbian gay bisexual trans uh, folks and queer now folks as one community and that we understand that we need to be at the edge of each other's battles and that we are fluent in each other's histories etc cetera, etc cetera. Uh, we know historically that that was not always the case and one of the reasons that it was important for uh for black women to specifically name themselves black lesbian with a capital L um, is because of attempts at erasure and um, the same sorts of politics of asking um, of asking women to put their uh, to either put their politics on hold or not recognizing the other members of of the community black gay men not recognizing their leadership, perhaps. And of course, the biggest example that we can see in recent years is the need for gender non-conforming transgender trans folks to specifically name in order to have the issues clearer and to have those of us who are cisgender gay folks understand that we also operate out of, uh, out of privileges that must be at least inter- inter- interrogated, if not if not denied and leveraged for the for the sake of our sisters and brothers and siblings who who prefer not to be uh, named uh, by their gender. So the black gay part tries to do some of that work. Um, life you didn't mention life, but life is very important there because life in there is about um, is about living that this this theory is not about um there's certainly lots of literature here and philosophy and etc um, but what we're interested in is um black gay folks living and having full lives that have um materiality right people have bodies people have I would say souls we can argue that people have spirits people have needs, and all of that is is in here. It's not sort of an extracted and abstract sort of um, way of thinking about black gay. And so the theory is also um, important here because I want to I want to valorize um, and validate forms of theory that um, are not translated from the French or that you know do not depend upon um, authorized theorists with a big T even though there are a couple of a couple of them in here right at least in my thinking um, but the theory of black gay life and the aspiration to offer a theory of black gay life is also to say that through thinking by thinking through how uh, black gay folks lived their lives and lived their lives. We can see the patterns uh, that will show us the theory. So it's not it's not Jafari who is um, who is theorizing, or it's not only me theorizing, but this is a chronicle of black gay folks theorizing. Yeah, no,
1: that's great. It will help. You said it. If by looking at the patterns in Black gay life, you know, it will show us this sort of theory. I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. It helps us sort of transition to thinking about my next question, which is just how your book begins, right? You sort of announce that it's going to be a social affair and one in which you are going to be engaging in a certain kind of rigorous thought alongside people you've been thinking with for, for decades now. Um, and mm-hmm. that's marked across your monograph by you, know, you using the first name of theorists, scholars, culture workers of all kinds. Um, and so I wonder just sort of thinking about, you know, perhaps the book is a sort of enactment of the black A life that's also sort of being theorized, showcased, validated, mm-hmm. valorized. I wonder if you could say what that means in relationship to your disciplinary homes. I know you have multiple but also to, you know, maybe that sort of discarded past title, which was an ethnography of an idea, right? I mean, you said that a part of what you wanted to do with this book was to sort of de-emphasize ethnography. So I'm curious about what Black A life has to tell us as it sort of manifests in the academy, in the institution, you know, in the form of this book, right? This book will circulate okay. in ways that maybe is a bit different than some of the people who are... Who are profiled in your book, and so I wonder if you could maybe speak to what that means to you as as someone of many disciplinary homes. Mm-hmm.
0: Yes, so many many disciplinary homes, and one of the things that I wanted to uh, wanted to do here was to not dishonor any one of those disciplinary homes, right? So, you know, I have you know a doctoral degree in anthropology, right, um, and did it at a time and a place where um those of us who were being trained understood that we were being trained to be social theorists um and that meant at that time um a certain a a certain um investment in especially especially french social theory at that time right um and it also meant learning um at least for me, not not everyone at uh, at my institution, because it was unpopular. But my advisor, at least, was uh, a dedicated or is a dedicated ethnographer, right? So there's the 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 Gertzian understanding of, of 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 doing of doing deep and close uh, thick ethnography. Uh, but at the same time, I I want in this work and in all my work, to be honest about my, uh, the disciplinary homes that actually brought me to do this work. Right. And that was, uh, being, a, com- a community member and a volunteer at GMAT, gay men of African descent, um, learning from people like Kevin McGruder and Colin Robinson, um, who, uh, I, I mentioned in the book and working at the Audrey Lord, uh, the Audrey Lord Center, um, and actually being able to witness the foundation of that organization, and witness how Kathy Cohen and uh, and Jackie Alexander were uh, so key, uh, crucial to that process, and so the discipline, right? The 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 discipline, watching and working with. Uh, with colleagues and coworkers and friends uh, like those is um, just as important or if not actually more important. And so what are some of those? um, What are some of those uh, tools and disciplines? These are the questions that I had to ask. And then thinking about those who had documented uh, black gay life from the long 1980s I think especially of uh, I think especially of uh, Marlon Riggs, right? So Marlon says in "Tongues Untied" uh, that he's interested in anthropology in an anthropology of what is he defines I should say he defines anthropology as anthropology, the search for what is utterly precious. So the moment that I begin to reflect on the discipline and the the way to think through these issues uh, I come to understand that even though my formal academic training uh, may be in one area uh, or several areas feminist studies black studies etc that that notion of the search for what is Utterly precious, and a sort saint's notion, or not notion, but a mandate to all of us to do our best work, to create legacies and to uh, to create testaments. Right? Um, this understanding from uh, from Melvin, uh, this understanding from Melvin Dixon, that um, that those of us who are on this earth and healthy must remember and must call the names of those who have gone before, um, it occurs to me and it is, it occurred to me during writing of this work that is the sort of the highest discipline that I needed to pay attention to and that I needed to honor in this work. And I find that in so doing that what I'm actually doing also is contributing to the long black intellectual tradition Right. So Manning Marable talked about uh, three different positions. Right. That is uh, the work must be corrective of uh, of work that has gone before that may have been racist or heterosexist, misogynist, just wrong. It should be descriptive of what black folks are doing from our own perspective. Um, perspectives, and it should be prescriptive. That is, it should, it should give a vision um, for what should happen. And I think that, uh, that the discipline of, I wonder, is Black gay a discipline? Hmm. I call it a habit of mind, but uh, we can also think of this as, as a discipline, right? Um, That the way that the folks that I talk about in this work, uh, in the beginning of this work from the long 1980s taught us to work, uh, the ways that they taught us to work allows us to, to do black studies in, um, in a really um, relevant and, um, and fresh way that is also centrally located in um, the best of that long tradition.
1: Yeah, no, you know, in your answer, you you touched on so many parts of the book that I'm sort of anxious to dig into. But I wonder, just quickly, um, I wonder, one, I liked your mischievous look when you said, you know, black A is a habit of mind, not a discipline. <laughs> so I just want to note that. But um, the thing I'm curious about is like, do you want this book to land in anthropology? Do you care how it's received by other anthropologists? Do you think it it does something that anthropologists need to be aware of and i mean that mm. both at the level of methodology um, at the level of of how it's how the work is presented that's where we're going to go next because i'm anxious to talk about chapter 3 um, which you brought up by you know name checking Gmad and also sort of marlin and others um, but i just i wonder i'm just just it's my own curiosity if you i don't know if you have any designs on anthropology because I agree with you that this book firmly fits into a Black intellectual tradition. So, mm.
0: You know, I would have said, so uh, one of the things that I'm finishing right now, and it's overdue, is, uh, is a chapter in a book called Queer Anthropology um, that is being edited by uh, my colleague, um, Margo Weiss. Uh, and it's called something like, it's called something like the the search for what is utterly precious, and the ends of anthropology. And what I try to do in that essay is, is care about what anthropology, care about extracting for anthropologists what they ought to look for in this book and other works. Um, Because I think that it will be helpful for all of us, for example, to think through how some of the work of Audre Lorde, for example, Kathy Cohen, M. Jackie Alexander, can point anthropologists to ways uh, ways to do their work better. And I also um, want to make it clear that this work exists and has a life and circulates um, Without anthropology, I want to say, irregardless, right? Because I, I want to, I want to make the point by being, uh, by, by using that word. That's not a word, but is a word in African, uh, African American vernacular English. Um, th- because to answer your, your, your question plainly, um, as I was writing about this, no, I, I had, did not think about anthropology, um, and I think that. It may work better that way for anthropology and anthropologists if uh, if those of us who have some way of doing our work that can be useful, just do that work without having to translate it, without making it completely legible, because it is in doing the work of understanding so I I'll, I'll just say that it, I think it works it would work works for anthropologists and the, I make this case in the essay that while since the 1980s feminists queer scholars and many black uh, uh, many black scholars have tried to follow Faye Harrison in this really noble mission of decolonizing anthropology and constantly critiquing anthropology and um and, and having come to Jesus Jesus moments with important essays, you know, every year. my friend and former uh, former student, um, uh, my friend and former student just wrote uh, Ryan, uh, Ryan Jobson just wrote a piece last year um, in which he uh, he suggests that we might just let it burn, right? That is to say, that if, that is to say that we ought to think about allowing some of us simply to do our work and not being constantly burdened with explaining things to anthropology and fitting things in an anthropological frame.
1: Yeah, no, that makes sense. And I and I really like that answer, so thank you. Um, I wonder if, we can think about, I want to go to chapter three, just because you brought it up, and it was one of my Mm -hmm. favorite chapters. It's called Other Countries, and in it you weave so many different aspects of the long 1980s together, but then also sort of your own experience teaching about this sort of moment, which you call um, the black gay classical period. So you also sort of weave in your own sort of pedagogical accounts of teaching about sort of Mm -hmm. major figures. And so my first question about this sort of chapter is if you could talk about just the fluidity across the chapter like how it is the movement within your chapters always struck me as just sort of fascinating and and wonderfully productive but then also the sort of complicated histories you're excavating where you're thinking about these questions of black masculinity you're also thinking about questions of interracial desire and you're also thinking about what it means to have these figures who who serve these sort of central purposes, who occupy such a great space and sort of black gay formation for for all kinds of people, right? You call yourself as looking up to Jim Joe, excuse me, Joseph Bean, et cetera, et cetera. and your own students are looking to these figures for some kind of guidance, but for mm-hmm. them to also maybe resist that in certain ways. And so that's that's a lot there. But I guess I'm curious about, your willingness to sit with these questions that are elicited by major figures within the movement, and also your willingness to talk about how those questions that you bring up refract across many periods, including your own personal history and in that of your students.
0: Right. So thank you. Yeah, I'm I'm glad that you found the (laughs) the movement between these between these time and spaces productive. Um, They are. both reflections some of them reflections and refractions and there are huge time periods perhaps between one section to the other um and and sometimes thematic changes and certainly in one section there may be literature and autoethnography and some social theory etc but it was purposeful to give that sense of the here uh the the yesterday in today and the here and now and to really reflect the way not only i see us living but the way that i try to impart this to my students and to and to younger uh black gay or black queer folks it was difficult also because um without this chapter um it might have been a little easier, right? That is, um, without that, it might have been easier to abstract or to think at an arm's length about these um, about these figures, about these time periods, about these works. But I couldn't. I couldn't um, because uh, they are so formative. They are so formative to my own. Intellectual and political lens, and also formative to the the habit of mind that I try to talk about, and the lenses of folks that I know and love, and so you know the questions of masculine performance, of of uh, interracial and intraracial desire, and our ongoing um, ongoing conversations about that uh, were sometimes difficult to write about but I thought uh, extremely important to lay out and to lay out through some of the um, some of the important figures not only what they had to say about those issues but also how they how they lived their lives
1: yeah no that, that's interesting yeah um... I guess, you know, as you're speaking, I'm also in that chapter, you know, I was struck by, I was struck by a number of things, but first I'll say there's a, there's a great deal of, you don't quite call it recovery, and I'm not sure recovery is necessarily the right word, but there's a lot of just material, like black, gay, cultural production in your book, and a lot of it is stuff that I didn't know about, or I knew about partially, so in that chapter, you, you have this figure name, and I I hope I'm saying this correctly, but Soto Saint,
0: soto Saint mm-hmm.
1: okay. And you know, you talk about this work of of a Soto Saints um, that has been sort of anthologized in multiple places, but always abridged. And so I wonder if we could use a Soto saint to think about to think about how voluminous it seems the archive is for black gay life, right? I mean, your book is sort of teeming with all of these moments that I did not necessarily know about, um but also how it seems like the same moments keep popping up. And so, you consider this mm-hmm. by way a bit of Melvin, uh, by way of Melvin Dixon, but I wonder if you could just—I don't know—reflect on that weird part of the archive and, and what that means for for writing a book like this, or even for um, that chapter and your inclusion of your own personal experiences within the book.
0: Right. Yeah. You know, I was I was really I was really struck by the um, by the fact that Hasado's uh, really important essay that had been a bridge that had been uh added to or included in two very important anthologies was a bridge i didn't know it was abridged until i read an article by a a colleague um andia uh billy uh and her footnote uh indicated um indicated where I could find the original. And I talked with her and it was really a revelation to see that there was so much more in this essay than had been published before. And so, you know, that has a lot to say about um, about editorial choices and about the archive. And in this book, there are moments so to add us, you know, to add Asato is not, um, is not earth shattering, right? He's, he's clearly one of the most important figures um, yet, as I argue here, I don't know that he is always put to the best use critically um, or that the archive is teased out enough. And, you know, my job in this book, I didn't set out to, you know, to, give a comprehensive view of any one of the figures, but it's gratifying for me to hear that you found things that you hadn't seen before and other things that you had seen before you see repeated because like any habit of mind, like any discipline, like any tradition or canon, if you will, there are individuals and works that we return to over and over again. And at the same time, with our archives, there are still works and individuals yet uh, yet to be discovered. There are works by uh, by important individuals that have not been f- that have not been uh, fully researched. There are um, there are figures who were at the perhaps at the at the periphery of the places we know well like Philadelphia New York Los Angeles um, but then there's a whole just in this country there's a whole middle of the country um, uh, or excepting Chicago right we know uh, we know some figures in Chicago but there's so much more to know and this notion of um, a Soto and you um, being more than the Assota we know, but also yves Francois Lubin, like his actual government name, right? As someone who, uh, who was a, um, was a a migrant from who migrated here from Haiti, is important in the nineteen seventies. Is important to sit with, and then when we get to um, another piece. Uh, for example, the I'm, I'm looking now for the for the poem that we that I uh, reprinted here uh, because specifically because the book is out of print. Um, but to think about um, our our Black A Renaissance. Um, as as um as, as folks have called it uh, and not be able to then call uh, call up um adrian right so this yeah baby that one poem really theorizes interracial desire in a way that we don't often see it we don't often see it talked about, right? So there's humor in here, there's tongue in cheek, there's also, you know, some very strong indictments um, both ways. It's a, it's really so smart, right? Um, and so it's important for me, it was important for me to add works like this so that we can see, again, the theory of it. It's not me theorizing, right? That the author, the, the poet, has has also already theorized this and then that goes um that goes the same for talking through um talking through or for me rethinking um rethinking small or short films here right that had not been that had not been talked about uh before in in academic work and so you used the word recover before, I don't know, and you know, neither of us know whether this is like really recovery, right? But it is is important, what was important for me to to have at least this acknowledgement and this, um, even if it is um, a provocation for other people to, to think about um, to think about these works in ways that they hadn't been uh, thought about them before, or to go out and and find those works, right, um, and to look at them themselves and find out what uh, what else is there in the archive.
1: Yeah, yeah, you know. Um as you were speaking i was thinking about you know and sort of looking back through the book as well you know what feels so special about reading through your chapters and i'm still trying to process why maybe the, this third chapter which we're talking about right now but really what we're saying stretches across the book but why that third chapter strikes me so intensely and i think it's it's i think it's it's curation is what you know seems very special mm. about about your book it's the way that you're bringing up things sort of putting them in conversation with each other But also there's a lack sometimes, and I mean this in a good way, of a kind of resolute critical comment, right? And so Mm -hmm. one of the things Mm -hmm. that I think is very sort of unique about this book, and I wonder if you'll speak to this just for for a bit, is, I mean, you, you show Black gay life through its conflicts. I mean, you even feature moments where people are arguing with you. On Facebook about you know <laughs> your own embeddedness in the in the neoliberal academy and so I mean I think a part of what felt so special about this book is just the sort of texture of life that you're able to tap into and as much as you're sort of remarking upon various forms of precarity right I mean AIDS is always at the backdrop of this book um, what what's really at the fore is is black life right is black gay life. And so I just wonder if you could talk about about that maybe in relation to the archive, because I also remember sort of reading that question, like, why not Joe, you know, why not Melvin? And those Mm -hmm. questions just sat with me like, okay, maybe the the problem isn't always that there aren't archives, sometimes the problem is that we're not even looking at what's in the archive. Mm -hmm, You know, we just keep repeating that there aren't archives. And so (laughs) I know I just said a lot, but I wonder that decision to, to leave to just display, maybe to curate. Hmm. Um, hmm. I wonder if you could speak to that maybe in relationship to the archive, in relationship to these figures we want to pin down and make into idols of a kind. And repeatedly, you show that that doesn't quite work. Like, maybe the lesson that you should take from, from this is not that. I mean, that seems what it comes to be for your students, at least. You're like, well, maybe <laughs> if you're asking the wrong questions about mm-hmm. these figures, you know?
0: Right. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for that. It, because it's it's that. So you know, one of the first things, right? There are archives, right? Uh, and there are you know there are living people who can tell you can tell you stories from their own perspectives, right? Um, there even you know we don't even have to go to archives. There are books that are well in print that folks have just not thought about enough. Um, But, you know, when I hear you talk about the curation, um, a a few things come to mind. One is that that may be that may be an anthropological disciplinary thing that um, that I resist. I don't want to make one critical comment about one figure or one um, or one text or work. To stand in for an entire period or or um, or concept right, Um, I want the texture of of the of the social action right and that takes. Several different characters, right, in your in your narrative. So maybe that's one thing I can, you know, I can I can give to anthropology and say, you know, thank you for anthropological training. Um, But then I can come back and say that that that's also about, you know, it's also about a sort of observation and storytelling that I learned from learned at home. Um, But the other concept that um one of the concepts that operates here is the the concept of the anthological and I think that uh, what I was what I was thinking about uh thinking about in every chapter and in every section of the book is having it all be multivocal, and if there are um if there are important if there are Im- important dissonances, if there are important arguments, then they let them come, right? Um, because we learn through those, and we also learn that that dissonance or disconnect or difference of opinion does not mean that we, um, uh, that we abandon one another, it does not mean that we don't continue conversation, it doesn't mean that we are not kin uh, and so this is what what I've, I've I've tried to do here, and one of the things that I also learned myself as a member of uh, a member of the community, and as a member of organizations um, where uh, you know where one where two or more Black gay folks are gathered there will be conflama also right there will be you know there will be stuff that's going to be fabulous and lovely and and sparkles and um and unicorns but there's also going to be there's also going to be some some shades going to be some differences of opinion and um and we ought to learn to learn better ways to work through that so i i, I think that I've, i i tried to give that sense of the anthological that. Various people have various ways of seeing things, um, and to be upfront with my dear reader about where I stand, so that I'm not trying to be slick and run anything by people. Um, my feelings and my position um, is going to be is going to be clear, but it's also going to be clear that this is not everybody's position, and that my position doesn't always <laughs> doesn't always work really very well. Um, For me. Right. And so learn Uh, the dedication of the book, you know, to um, to the children. Right. Is is honest that I I want I I want people I want, you know, my students and I want younger uh, queer folks or black gay folks to um, to sit with this and to and to learn about being in community
1: yeah you know i'm so happy you brought up uh the anthological element of your book because i wanted to ask about i wanted to ask about it right i mean because anthological shows up both you know you're sort of describing a tradition a generation of folks but you're also using it yourself as a kind of um what's the word maybe conceptual heuristic a way of organizing Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. your ideas and so i wonder if you could speak to just you know, for folks who haven't read the book, if you could just sort of say more about the anthological. Because I will say one more thing that, you know, Mm -hmm. when I first read that, I I realized like, yes, the main ways that I've come to know Black gay life have been through anthologies. Like, that's just true. (laughs) You know, that's in the academy. That's sort of outside of the academy. Um, Yeah, if I'm reading, even if I'm watching something, I mean, many of the filmmakers have a very like collages sort of approach to their work. And so, yeah, I was really to me that was sort of it opened up a lot.
0: Um, yes, I, th- I think that that's, I think that that's that's really key. So, the anthological is one you know one way, as you say, is the way that I've I've chosen to think through having multiple voices and organizing, um, organizing those those voices and presenting those voices in this work, uh knowing and admitting that I am the one choosing and curating like an editor does. So this is not this is not completely democratic. It's not a free-for-all. It is, it's selected for a specific reason just like anthologies are. Um, but as a as the Historic, you know, as you know, as a historic marker and a marker of intellectual history, I thought it really important also to um, to note what you just said that this is when we think of the major the major works, the beginning of um, of Black gay studies, they come out of they come out of anthologies and journals. And this is the way that the work, that much of this work was done. And that's important for a number of reasons. One is to go back to your question about academic disciplines and the constraints of those disciplines, what we are asked to produce in those disciplines, right? So, for example, as a social cultural anthropologist, I'm asked to produce a monograph, right? Mono meaning just me, right? and that is the coin of the realm um what would it be if i was asked to um and if the academy really valued collaborative work how much better would this work be if if i you know did this work with kevin kwashi and omisheke tinsley and kathy cohen could you imagine right um but that's you know that's that's not that's not what we're asked to do as professional academics but this is what uh this is one of the things that um uh barbara smith and beverly smith and and the other women of color in table uh kitchen table press were doing uh this is some of the work that uh that that both essex and um and joe were doing in though in in the life and in brother to brother um it's some of the work that joe did in um in editing uh, in editing outlook and it's difficult it's it's, it's 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 difficult work and it is work that in which we have to be really sensitive to other people's voices we also agree upon what the point of the of the anthology is, what statement we are trying to make, but understanding that people are making those statements in various ways, right? And that and that we are richer for that um, we are we are richer for that array of voices. And so I wanted to, uh, to point that out and to honor that to get us to think about uh what it is we get when we um when we can take a an anthology and flip in the anthology in an anthology like you know the black woman right which is not a which is not a queer anthology but the anthology that Tony K. Bambara uh edited and you can flip and have uh and have have for example um, Abby Lincoln on one page and then a group of socialist uh, socialist workers from um, from upstate New York on another page that is you have not just one understanding of the black woman but you uh, sort of, betray the lie of that title or the not the lie the conceit of that title the black woman by showing lots of different black women
1: yeah no i love it you can see all these like different things happening at the same time right that, it's mm-hmm. just i love that yeah that idea the anthological um i guess i'm curious about then how you would describe the differences between the two parts of your your book um and the third part's the conclusion but the two parts which is the anthological generation and then the second part is um let me find it bonds and disciplines so disciplines right yeah i'm curious about that and then i also just wanted to remark you know you were talking about how difficult anthological work is curational work is um and i wanted to just see if you wanted to say more about that in relationship to the black queer diaspora working group symposium Mm -hmm. and also the sort of subsequent um journal issue just because you in that i mean i was really struck by how vulnerable and this happens across the book but you were willing to say look i have regrets i have regrets in relationship to how that working group how that sort of journal issue Mm -hmm. came came to be how it eventually made it found itself in the world and so those are my two questions yeah
0: right um that's you you specialize in the in the in the hard questions, right? Um, so <laughs> that that second part that black queer police, um is meant to be, you know, after we move after we move out of the long 1980s, s, um, here we are um, where we have something called black queer studies, right? Um, and you know what are we going to do with it? And what is it? Um, what are the lessons we can draw from that earlier period that that nascent period for now? Um, how are these period how are they alike and how are they different, right? And yes, the I, I mentioned that that anthological work is difficult that is, it is difficult whether you are actually, you know, doing an anthology or a journal article article, or whether you're trying to just think anthologically, think collaboratively, uh, because as I said, in the realm where we find ourselves in the academy, that is not what is, um, that, that's not what that is expected and certainly not what is rewarded. And so like the third chapter, um, you know, I guess I thought, you know, If I'm going to talk about you know my romantic failures (laughs) right you know I might as I might as well talk about I might as well talk about professional (laughs) professional failures or professional missteps or uh, so that somebody can learn from them right and also I think because you know speaking of that um that black queer diaspora issue that we're you know extremely proud of I think that it's that some of some of it, especially, you know, my introduction may get misread when I talk about the social erotics of love may get misread as if, um, you know, all of us, you know, are girls together all the time and we're just holding hands and, you know, skipping through fields and that it's all easy. Um, And I wanted to I, I wanted to. And felt that it was necessary for me to tell more of the truth, so that people can see that that's that's not. I didn't say that it was easy, um, and I didn't say that um, that there weren't barriers. And so, this is why we call it bonds, because you know your your bonds and disciplines, uh, because there are there are personal, um, intimate bonds between many of us as as colleagues and as friends. Um yet we and we all we come from various different disciplines um and with different ideas about whether we're making a discipline together. Right. And so I wanted to I wanted to do what Barbara Christian asked us to do. So that that um that chapter begins with an epigram where she says, From but what are we but what do we think we are doing anyway? Um, And and Dr. Christian is always, I mean, her titles are always fixing, right? And she says, I begin my reflection on the state of Black feminist criticism with this memory because it seems to me we so quickly forget the recent past, right? And so I didn't want us to forget the recent past uh, because that moment of nascence uh, has so quickly turned into something else, and, and just very quickly, right? Um, and so I thought it was important to um, to chronicle that and to narrate it, and to narrate it in a way, um, certainly where I'm not the only voice. So that piece that, uh, that comes directly out of our time together is extremely important that it be the voices of those individuals so that, uh, people can see and hear the the fact that we don't use the same vocabulary, the, the the that we don't address each other in the same way that we have some important agreements and some important, important disagreements. And for me to be honest and not try to uh, not try to discipline, you know, my friends and colleagues here into um, you know, everyone into one paragraph, right, uh, of summary, but to have the richness of our conversation rendered fully, right, and in, re- in, the, in real time of the occurrence.
1: Yeah, yeah, well, thank you for that, and thank you for your graciousness. I realize I, I mentioned the title of the first and second part of your book incorrectly, and so I will correct myself now. Part one is A Stitch in Space Time, the long 1980s, and part two is Black Queer queer Polis. Um, And I just, I wonder, you know, after your gloss there, if you think about this as sort of crudely being, and this is very crude, kind of Black gay life, pre and post institutionalization, Hmm. and if that crude kind of, you know, marking works, I just, I wonder, I wonder, I wonder how you would narrate maybe the differences across those two moments, but then I'm also kind of curious about, I guess I'm curious about our moment now, which is somewhat in that, in that part too, but I wonder what you think about the conversations we're having about black gay life right now. You know what I mean? In relationship mm-hmm. maybe to, to how they're sketched in these two parts, because for me, I find that, I don't know, very sort of immediate questions about precarity have become incredibly vague you know, I was struck in your book while well, you you give mm-hmm. us the numbers. You're like, no, like, you know, one in two black men. You know, you give us the actual percentage of of mm-hmm. how many men have AIDS, for example, right? In a given moment in time, how many folks are are living in various kinds of conditions? And I just wonder what you think about that in relationship to our current moment, our current discourse. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah. You, you know. Um... I made a, de- I, made a de- I made a decision uh in the last sort of um revision not to like do a, and now today <laughs> sort, of, sort of thing um and yeah. I realized you know and I had I had good intellectual reasons for that at the time but I realized in talking with you that it's always that it was also I didn't want to come off as, you know, the doddering old guy who's like, you know, y'all kids are doing it all wrong. Why, you know, you fucking up here and blah, blah, blah. And (laughs) so, but as I, as I read the last iteration, (laughs) I realized that it's, it's here without my having, like a lot of things in this book, like without my having to say explicitly it's here. And some of it is in the letter, like in this chapter in bonds and discipline, the letter, um, the letters that Omi Sheki-Tinsley and I write together. Yes. And she goes there, right? And she goes there by saying, you know, everything we were so, everything was so promising when we were beginning assistant professors and this is what was happening. And now that has changed, right? So she's she's talking about institutional constraints, right? She's talking about uh, the, the political moment changing there. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that she's also, um, she is also, and then I also want to point to the intellectual stakes there, right? And so um, when you talk about um, conditions, I think that, you know, that I am ready to say, you know, and, you know, let's have, let's have this conversation with folks. The, the really, my attitude is let a thousand flowers bloom that we need all sorts of work from every discipline, from every habit of mind. Um, We need to all be in conversation. And at the same time, I think that, um, I won't say I think that what I see reading some, um, some newer works is, um, is a willingness to shift from material conditions to really erudite in many cases um, and in many cases beautifully written um, meditations that um, that may be, may be great on their own and at the same time uh, I wouldn't want to see everybody do that do their work that way right and i realized i also realized um reading the conversation that this comes up in this this comes up in in the conversation at the end of bonds and discipline uh we're having a conversation um about um uh about interacting notions and analogs between black and um, Black lowercase and black black with a big B and people of color, et cetera, et cetera, reconciling contradictions, et cetera, et cetera. And in the Q and A, um, Calvin Warren, who was a graduate student at Yale at that time, asks a question about um, subtle distinctions between materiality and the literary or the metaphorical. And Michelle responds in a really, um, and I was struck by how um how beautifully and how succinctly she was able to respond not surprised uh not surprised because she is not always brilliant but surprised that in in that moment it came so quickly right and so she says she says the object that stands outside black queer discourse is the same one that stands outside of almost all discourses and that is the body right so here she is she is pointing us to the materiality of of the body and the need to um, the need to think through discourses and archival arch- archival materials relevant or uh, relevant to and um, in reference to our corporeal selves right And then Linden says so precisely the place where the physical fails where language fails where there's an inability to talk about something that is not material the metalinguistic perhaps he talks about the metaphysical and then brings audrey lord and m jackie alexander into the frame right so here what happens without my so this is not this is not my writing this <laughs> This happened just in just the way that, um, you know, just the way that it is written here. I didn't move anything around. But the conversation is one, the end of this conversation is where I would I would pick up what, what you're asking now, right? To say that um, the importance of um, the importance of our material selves, our material needs, and the importance of the metaphysical needs, the um, connections to each other, the connections to spirit, the connections, uh, the connections that we can't see, are things that I'd like. I'd like us. I'd like us to. I'd like us to think about more and do more work on right um, and that both of these require deeper engagement with the archives that we know and pushing those boundaries and also collecting new archives new data um, so that we um, so that we're learning new things um, rather than constantly celebrating a I'll leave it I'll leave it at that. Yes.
1: You know, I feel like I know what you want to say and I kind of want to want to push you there. But I think it might be Mm -hmm. related to your your comment earlier about, you know, every time I sit down to write, I don't want to have to say, like, this is how I fit into anthropology. And it does seem like a lot of work today is geared toward celebrating the fact of the fact of our lives is in and of themselves transgressive or theoretically. productive rather than the fact of our lives as sort of material beings who like you say need things in the world including each other right um and i'll answer this way so i
0: i I appreciate you i appreciate you being polite and not 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 pushing me there but i'll say it i'll say it this way that (laughs) you know I'm completely, I understand, I understand um, and have understood for a long time that many people regard anthropologists, you know, and, and other social scientists as flat footed and, um, and, you know, just tell us the story, just describe it and, you know, and go away that that may be seen as less sophisticated than, um, than other sorts of, of work that, you um, that requires, and um, and is in a that requires engagement with high theory and continental philosophy, for example, right? And of course, a lot of anthropologists do this, right? But I'm I'm saying this just to to say that that work is still important, right? That a description of our lives is still important, that a close reading of our works is still important, and that if done right, the sophistication of the theorization is going to be right there because, and again, Professor Christian told us, you know, my people are a race for theory, that you're going to, the moment that you sit down, um, you sit down in a room of Black people and become uh, begin listening and recording. You are going to find really dense theorization, right? We don't we don't need we don't necessarily need to refer to only European disciplines and their um, and their greatest hits in order to justify our work. And that said as someone who is clearly very interested in some of that, right? Um, but you should find you should find those folks um, in the notes, not up front.
1: I think that's a that's a great note to end on. So thank you so much for, for talking with me today.
0: Thank you so much. This is this is this has been uh It's been a great conversation. I thank you for reading so uh, generously and so deeply and for the conversation. Thanks so much, Brittany.